Hi, and good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, however you are joining us. I am Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia, and I am proud to be here to one of the very first BEAM podcasts. So yay, excited. If you don't know what BEAM is, BEAM is the Bilingual ESL Education Association of the Metroplex. And we are located centrally in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, yet since the pandemic, we have expanded into many other regions. Today on our podcast, I have some great lifelong BEAM members, and I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Patsy Sosa-Sanchez from UNT Dallas. I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Patsy Robles Goodwin, and she is at Texas Wesleyan University, and Dr. Luis Rosado, who is at the University of Texas at Arlington. And I am proud to have them here. As mentioned, they are lifetime BEAM members and have been a part of BEAM for many, many years. They understand the importance of being a part of this network. And today's podcast is all about sharing this information for many of you who may not be aware that BEAM exists. BEAM is a gem that no longer needs to be kept secret. So we want you to be a part of BEAM. All right, y'all, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, So we are gonna go ahead and get started with our first questions, okay? So we'll just go around, however, I'll pick one of you to start us off. If it's okay, we'll, we'll start with Dr. Patsy Robles Goodwin. So Dr. Robles Goodwin, can you tell me how you specifically heard about BEAM? Well, um, initially, you know, when I started my career in teaching, BEAM did not exist. And I remember having a colleague that uh, belonged to DABE, which was the Dallas Association for Bilingual Education. And she was very active in that organization. So she would invite me and uh, to go, uh, she was one of the board members and she would invite me to go stuff flyers right before the conference. Um, at the conference, we would facilitate, we, we would do a lot uh, to promote uh, that uh, uh, conference. And then uh, probably a, a, when I became a school administrator uh, in, in the 90s, BEAM uh, was put together or I, that's when I heard about it. And I remember thinking, I kind of like this organization better because it's not just one district, it's many districts. And as, as a uh, uh, school administrator, it was an opportunity to join with others that were like me in my position uh, and to involve my teachers in an organization that was from the Dallas-Fort Worth, not necessarily from one school district. So that's kind of how I became involved and heard about being uh, initially. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing your story. That's, That's amazing. And yes, that's one of the biggest things is we are not just one school district. We want everyone who is a part of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and even our, our, our regions that touch yeah, regions 10 and 11. We definitely want you guys to be a part of BEAM. Definitely. Dr. Rosado, can you share a little bit about how you specifically heard about BEAM? I joined the BEAM member, uh, as a BEAM member in actually the last century. 1998, when I joined the uh, the TWU Texas Women's University faculty, and uh, Dr. Rui Rodriguez 
was the chair at that time, and he basically uh, guided me to join the organization. It is basically, it was the expectation that as a faculty member, you join uh, the BEAM. And of course, uh, we have BESO students and we guide BESO students to attend and present at these organizations. Therefore, I became fully engaged in the process and uh, guide my students to make presentations with our faculty members. That's awesome. And I love that expectation that was placed um, uh, uh, of the staff that definitely if you if we're a part of this organization or if we are a part of growing more and more bilingual ESL teachers into the field, we definitely need to get them in partnership with um, what's going to who's going to help them in the next step. That's amazing. Thank you, Dr. Osalo, for sharing. OK, Dr. Um, Sosa Sanchez, please tell us how how did you hear about being? I heard about Beam as a BESO student, actually. So when I was attending Texas Women's University, and I think it was after Dr. Rosado had been there, because when I got there, he wasn't there. Um, I um, heard about Beam, and we were. Th it was through the BESO organization, which um, which is the beginning um, of a great journey in becoming a qualified bilingual teacher. Um, the opportunities that BEAM um, offers BESO members um, is really just amazing because of the professional development opportunities that we have. So that was really an appealing component uh, for all the BESO students. So uh, being part of BEAM was something, again, like Dr. Rosado mentioned also, it was an expectation. You're a BESO student, you're going to be part of BEAM, because then you're part of THABE, then you're part of NABE, and then your network just continues to grow just as your professional development does. And as, as educators, we're all lifelong learners, and that is an expectation, is that you continue um, professional development. It doesn't matter how long you've been in, whether you've been a lifetime member or you're a newbie, it is an expectation. That's amazing. And um, as, as our friends who are joining us on um, um, in the virtual world, you guys, Bessel is um, really the first step that a lot of uh, pre-service teachers take prior to joining a professional teacher organization. So Bessel stands for the Bilingual Education Student Organization. And many of the universities that are affiliated with um, BEAM, with DABE, which is the Texas Association for Bilingual Education, have thriving vessels who have been doing remarkable things and, um, and doing great things in recruitment, who once they graduate, they take the next step to becoming um, a professional membership uh, with their affiliate. So for us specifically, it's BEAM. So thank you, Patsy. Um, Patsy and I go way back, um, Patsy, uh, Patsy Sosa Sanchez. Her and I actually went to TWU together as undergrads. So I remember, um, as Dr. Robles Goodwin had mentioned, going, you know, and helping pass out flyers when she was um, helping out with Dabe, Patsy and I were the ones who did it for Bessel when it came to BEAM and uh, being there and the expectation to present and having, you know, just our first memories of being a part and really seeing, okay, that's the next step. I can clearly and uh, I can clearly say that when I was a Bessel member, I remember seeing the president at the time of being um, 
was saying hello to everyone, being on the podium, addressing the membership and me thinking, hmm, I wonder if I could do that one day. And so it's been a blessing, um, my journey there. So thank you guys. All right. So you in your in in when I was asking you about how you heard about me, many of you shared basically how long you've been a part of it. So we know you've been uh, your lifelong members. There's there's no doubt. Usually lifelong membership comes with being a part of being for at least um, 15 plus years. Uh, so and I know many of I know at least I think actually all all four of us have actually invested at least 20. Right. <laughs> So you've been a member for quite a long time. Why do you choose to stay a member? So Dr. Sosa Sanchez, why do you choose to continue to be a part of BEAM? Again, I think is being, a, you know, being, being an educational leader, I think um, one of your, your expectations and responsibilities is that you continue sharing those opportunities for growth to those that are following your footsteps. Um, as a BESA sponsor, as a bilingual educator um, in the K-12 classroom, as um, a bilingual educator in higher ed, um, we get the opportunity to share the reason why BEAM even exists. Understanding that the networking, that the support, that the professional development, that that communication in order to better serve our community as we grow our own into quality bilingual teachers is essential. BEAM is one of those organizations that supports the students from the very beginning, showing them what it is to grow as a college student, to grow as a, as a, a new teacher, and to continue growing as a veteran teacher, and later step into the roles such as uh, being part of the BEAM board, I think is essential. That growth continues. And I think that being able to stand in this position and say, yes, that's where I started as a BEAM member. And that's where I continue to grow, I think is something that is essential in sharing with those students that we're trying to get involved and in, trying to get them to be advocates because it's through BEAM that they actually become advocates for supporting bilingual education programs across the state. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Mm -hmm. um, Sosa Sanchez, for sharing that. Dr. Rosalo, why have you chose to continue to be a member of um, the Bilingual ESL Education Association of the Metroplex? The BEAM Association basically keep me alive because this is a very active association and the, the use of the new leaders that make me feel engaged and this is something that I, I want to keep on doing it. It is wonderful to see best of students and now they are finishing doctoral degrees like you, Lizzie, and others and also they are also becoming our leaders school leaders therefore it's wonderful to see that growth from college students to become a teacher and eventually get uh, additional degrees and become the new leaders of bilingual education and education in general I love that. Thank you, Dr. Rosado. Thank you so much. Okay, Dr. Robles Goodwin, why have you continued to continued with your membership to be a part of BEAM? 
Okay. So as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I became involved in being when I was a district administrator and it was an opportunity to connect with other uh, um, uh, colleagues who were also in the same field. And I remember that as a district administrator, it was very helpful to hear from them uh, if there were new issues, if there, if there were new guidelines, requirements, what their experience had been, what they would recommend. And it became a camaraderie, if you will, of administrators that would work together and share so that you wouldn't feel like you were the Lone Ranger in your school district. And so as I um, uh, progressed through my education and got my doctorate and started teaching at the university, uh, being became even more important because I was the leader uh, in, 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 in a field where students were also majoring. And, and as the, other, uh, the others have mentioned, uh, when, when you have students who accompany you to a conference or are a part of the conference, they get to see what it's going to be like, what, uh, what professional development opportunities are going to be like for them as a practicing teacher. So we get them involved um, and, you know, with the hopes that in the near future, they're going to be in the classroom and they won't be our students anymore. They'll be our, co our colleagues. And I always tell them that they need to be leaders in their field. They need to be advocates. They need to know what's going on. And I really feel like through being, uh, information is disseminated, it's shared, it is um, DV'd up, it is, uh, uh, it, it's problem solving, uh, but it's also, uh, again, um, uh, an opportunity to give back. And as Dr. Sosa said, it's really gratifying for me to see former students being leadership roles um, and, and, and school administrators. And, you know, you feel like you, you've had a part in their professional growth and, and, and development. And, you know, we, we're coming full circle, some of us, because we've been in this organization for a long time and we're leaving it, I believe, in really good hands with our young, they used to be BESO students and now there are leaders and, and it feels very gratifying. It's like the ripple in the water effect. Uh, you were able to involve them and, and that, that effect keeps growing. And so I'm expecting great things to continue out of being with our young leadership. That's ve they're very innovative. I see how they are advancing being in very uh, unique ways uh, through technology and availability uh, of ways to reach uh, other educators. And as our president Liz just mentioned, uh, you know, it's growing and, and, and we're able to, to continue meeting even through the pandemic. Um, everything was switched to virtual. We, we continued. Uh, our last Bean conference was hybrid. And I just was commenting to a colleague that I felt like it was so well done. It was easy to navigate. There, were, there weren't too many choices you had to make. You could go in person if you felt comfortable. You could still participate virtually if you felt comfortable. Uh, but it but it wasn't an obstacle for growth. And, and again, I just feel like uh, BEAM is in very 
capable hands of leaders that are uh, cultivating that advocacy for future generations. That's a wonderful response. Thank you, Dr. Robles Goodwin. And, and I love um, how you brought, basically brought us into our next question. And really, that has to do with the evolution of BEAM and how it has grown. Dr. Robles um, Goodwin brought in that we are starting to expand how we reach people. Um, I think, if anything, the pandemic showed us that we're limitless. We can, we, I think um, with us, with our hint that we know, you know, people are going to try to, um, to uh, bury us. They don't know we're seeds. And so with this, with the pandemic, we were really able to see how well we could do and how much further our reach could get. So with that, we have been able, Beam grew from just being part of the DFW region, which is regions 10 and 11, to expanding into regions 7, 8, and 9. So we are really excited. And this year, because we'll be in Denton, um, we've actually already gotten some um, outreach from our friends in a whole nother state across the Red River. I was really surprised. So I thought that was really neat. So I love how she, how Dr. Um, Robles Goodwin, um, as a lifetime member, has actually seen how the revolution, how, how the um, evolution is going. Um, so tell me, you guys, you uh, being a part of Beam for as long as you've been a part of it, what are some other things you have seen that that Beam has changed or or has has gone through um, a, a, an evolutionary change um, as you've been a member? Um, anyone can start first. Well, you know, there's there's power in numbers. And as our membership grows, I think we have a voice not only in the Metroplex, which is local, but at the state level. And I think um, our organization has been very influential in um, uh, supporting some changes at the state level that have been that have been updated, that have been revised or edited um, that. Uh, that again shows that that there's there's power in numbers and uh, in in membership that is active. Well, being has been a vehicle for me to get to know my colleagues in higher ed and also in public schools. At the same time, uh, I have been able to meet uh, people in the business sectors, the publishers. And since we attend basically the same conferences, we have become lifelong uh, friends. Therefore, friendship has been an important, an important component, especially when we travel uh, at the state level and also at the national level. We always find the being group that is together and we stick together during the conference and we celebrate bilingualism. Oh yes, definitely. Thank you. Dr. Sosa Sanchez, how have you seen Beam change in your in your time with um uh, with the organization? Um I appreciate that camaraderie, Dr. Prosado, because everywhere we go, whether we're at Tabe or Nabe, it's like, hey, there's the beamers. So we know that we're there. Um, we know that the value of our organization, I feel, has been a voice, a pretty loud voice to, again, um, advocate for what we believe provides equity, not only for our bilingual students, but for our ESL students. And that's the one thing that I've seen grow and change with BEAM is that we've said, wait a minute, we have our bilingual kiddos, but we also have 
the ESL need and support that we have to provide for. So being able to bring both groups and both um, entities in to provide a strong voice for them, I think has been really helpful. It's always exciting to see um, our awarded um, students because we bring in our students and provide awards and, and competitions for them with, uh, and then see, watching them grow into BESO students, watching them grow into quality teachers and then honoring our teacher of the year has always been a neat uh, part of the convent or of our symposium and of our organization. But I, I almost feel like as we continue to move forward and as the pendulum of education continues to swing, I think that we're doing everything we can within our powers as an organization to continue keeping up with it. It's going to continue changing. But what I love about the group is we're always looking at, wait a minute, this just changed over here in the legislative area. What are we going to do to catch up with it? And I think that everybody that I've talked to within the BEAM organization is like, yeah, where where is this in our constitution? What, you know, what part are we doing to keep up with that legislative session or that legislative thing that's going on? Because again, it's groups like ours that that have a strong mission and vision for the student improvement and accountability in place. I think that we're the ones that are able to say, you know, we're, this is what we need. And we focus on what our needs are. And that's what we bring forth to the table. It's not about partisanship or bipartisanship. It's about the success of the student. And I, and I love that we focus on that and understanding and knowing now how the legislature takes role in how, you know, the decisions that affect us. I think that we've gotten smarter in being able to step up and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're in the trenches. We can tell you how it is. This is what we're needing. So I love that we have grown in that sense because I, I know when we started, we weren't as involved as we are now. And I love that because I know that that's what's helping us become the voice that we need to be for our bilingual and ESL learners. Definitely, definitely. And that's exactly what what area we're trying to grow further in is the advocacy piece and the making um, more change that is going to be beneficial for our students, not just our students who um, are able to take advantage of the services for bilingual um um, for bilingual dual language programs, but also our students who are being served um, for English as a second language. Um, we'd also know, please understand, we invite our friends who are at um, for um, languages other than English programs because we definitely know the power that comes with being able to be bilingual and biliterate, especially when you get into adulthood and you're trying to make sure that you get that job. Before, when I was in... Um, in uh, the university, I was told, if you can speak that second language, you will always have a job. Well, now that we know the numbers now, that's not always going to get your foot in the door anymore. You need to also be biliterate. And you also need to have that, um, that ex uh, excellence and expertise in being able to utilize that second language, if not more than just a, just a second language. So I, I love that you have brought in that piece and, and got into our advocacy piece, because I think that's one of the biggest things that has benefited us in BEAM is to understand that we are not a um, teacher organization that is geared to um, socializing. Yes, we are going to build this network because we want to build stronger, more knowledgeable, 
bilingual ESL teachers and advocates. So this includes our parents. This includes our students who are able to take advantage of programs like this. The administrators who lead our teachers, the um, university professors who build our pre-service teachers. Um, this also goes to our school districts who we all know the struggle out there for not having enough teachers right now. Hello, our commissioner just sent for a task force to try to figure out what's going on with the teacher shortage. Um, we could probably tell you, but when it comes to bilingual education, we have seen this shortage and we have been experiencing it for at least, what, 15, 20 years? Would y'all agree with me? For every one bilingual teacher we lose to either a higher position, but any one bilingual teacher we lose out of the classroom, there is, there is a negative four that cannot replace them. And so we need to definitely up um, the, the, the teacher shortage, when, especially when it comes to our bilingual teachers. So that's seriously what one of the biggest benefits of being a part of BEAM um, can be. When it comes to the advocacy piece, to let us know and to really go into the um, the legislation and have that influence. Hey, be those little birds who whisper in their ears what is good and what's right for our schools, especially here in Texas. So thank you, guys. I appreciate that. So um, I kind of want to ask you just because I, I want to know what you think or I want to know what your most memorable experience at a BEAM symposium ever was. What was your, so think, I think you've, you've all of the four of us have experienced many BEAM um, symposiums. Okay. So think of the one that has been the most memorable experience for you at a symposium. All right. So um, Dr. Rosado, I'd like you to start us off. What has been your most memorable experience at a BEAM symposium? My daughter is a Beamer. She's actually a, a bilingual teacher right now. And one of the most important elements was when we presented together at the Beam conference. That was a very special time for me because I saw my daughter uh, opening their their uh, lives to something different, to being professional, to be able to communicate the knowledge that she had about bilingual education, and being there to celebrate that. That is that was priceless. That's beautiful. Thank you. I didn't know that, Dr. Osado. That's amazing. I, I that's that's great. Okay, um, Dr. Sosa Sanchez, what has been your most memorable experience at um, a BEAM symposium? You know, that's a tough question, Liz, because you know that there's a memorable experience at every one of our symposiums. Um, I think for me, the most memorable one was also my first presentation um, with BEAM. I think I was a first year teacher and I talked about being a first year bilingual teacher and I shared those experiences. Sometimes I think that that's the most valuable thing that you can share with uh, with incoming uh, new teachers or with others is those experiences because letting them know that they are not the only ones experiencing what they're experiencing, I think gives them that comfort that, okay, I'm going to be okay. If they've made it, then we can make it too. So I think that that for me was the most valuable and um, getting the questions that I was getting is like, you know, well, what do you do if, you know, if the student isn't reading at their level, you know, in the native language, what do you do? So you just, you know, you being able to encourage them and, and give them that opportunity to say, okay, I am on the right track. I can make this happen. 
um, as a bilingual teacher, I think allows us to keep the longevity of bilingual teachers, which is what we need. That's awesome. Thank you. Yay. All right. So two of my friends have said it's presentations that they've experienced at BAME. I love it. I love it. Dr. Robles Goodwin, what has been your most memorable experience at a BAME symposium? Well, like Dr. Uh, Sosa, I kept thinking I have been to so many conferences. How do you pick <laughs> one memorable experience? And I mean, in my mind started racing and I could think of being in a gymnasium, uh, I, I, I could think of presenting, I could think of my students facilitating and, you know, and, and being a part of the teacher of the year and having the, the selected teacher come up with her family, with her uh, children and, 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 and even school administrator. So I just kept thinking, what's been the most memorable? And I, I guess um, that, you know, you spend a lifetime promoting other people and advocating and, and being on the front line that, you know, one year um, during our uh, pre-dinner conference, um, I was surprised to receive the Higher Education Award. And I remember thinking, wow, is this what it feels like? Because, because you know, um, I, it, it was it was memorable. First of all, because I received it, but also because I was with my colleagues and I was with um, with friends, as Dr. Rosado said. And I think it was really meaningful. Um, and then, you know, the next day at the conference, my students got to see um, me receive it, and I remember being in, um, uh, uh, you know, going up to the stage and receiving the award. And I looked out and I saw one of my former mentors and college professors, Dr. Bill Pulte. He would, he had come to the conference and I just remember um, just reminiscing how we as leaders uh, mentor students and how he had mentored and, uh, you know, really um, been there. It's supportive as a college professor and then as a colleague. And I remember afterwards, after the ceremony, going to greet him and 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 showing him my award. Well, my students were all around, and I remember telling my students, "This this was my professor. This was my mentor." And we took a picture, and. The picture is really meaningful because it has me with my mentor that invested in, in bilingual education and in students with my students. And all I kept thinking was it's like those pictures that you take with your, your great grandmother, your grandmother. <laughs> and I was thinking this is like first generation, second generation, third generation. And so that to me was was really meaningful uh, because I was able to share it with the people that mean the most to me um, as, as colleagues and as close friends. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, so one question, I, I, I want to pivot back to something you, you had mentioned earlier, Dr. Robles Goodwin, about being, you know, feeling like you're the Lone Ranger um, and how being kind of takes that, that, that perception or that look and, and helps you understand you are not the Lone Ranger. So if you were to be able to give advice to um, any teacher who does not know about BEAM, what would what advice would you give them? If they didn't know about BEAM, what advice would I give them? 
Well, well, I would, I would, and I've done this. I was at a conference just uh, in New York in February, and I was give, I was going to give a presentation, and right before people started gathering, uh, and and I started talking to them, and I remember. Uh, there was um, there was a, a participant from New Jersey, and she, we started talking. And she says, "You know, I've just been appointed to this leadership role, and I just I, I I don't know anything. No one knows anything." And she goes, "What advice would you give me?" And I said, "Well, you need to connect yourself with organizations who have a similar philosophy or advocacy uh, mission." And she says but I haven't been able to find one. So I remember uh, saying, okay, give me a few minutes. And I wrote down our being uh, information. And I said, I know you don't live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but you can join Bean. And she says, I will. So I, I really want to know if she followed through. Uh, and I remember thinking, of course, it was time to get started, um, uh, thinking, what it would be like not only to be the lone person in your district, which again, for a lot of us that have been in this field for a long time, we were. It's nice to know that as we progress, uh, there are people that look like us that have the same vision and mission. Um, but to to be at that level uh, and not have anyone um, can can seem like um, trying to reach the the top of the mountain with so many obstacles and and so my advice would be is you know and I, I gave her the advice is to hook up with um, with uh, organizations that have people that 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 you can share information so I guess my my advice would you know again uh, be to become a part of it and get involved and make a difference. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so Dr. Um, Sosa Sanchez, what, what advice do you give your students as they graduate and cross that line? <laughs> Honestly, it's just do it. Just go out there and get involved because you are not gonna know what you're missing if you don't go and find out what's out there. So, I mean, it's just, and I know that they, um, they they, they have a lot of challenges and a lot of new things to get acclimated with their first year. But again, I think this is this should be an expectation. And if it's an expectation, not a recommendation, um, I think they will find what they need in order to support their teaching as new teachers in the classroom. I really do. I mean, the, the professional development we have to offer through BEAM is really, really um, excellent uh, for all our teachers. So why not take advantage of that? Definitely, definitely. And as Dr. Sosa Sanchez mentioned, you know, um, the professional development aspects that we offer through being a part of the BEAM organization, um, we are CPE accredited. So we are able to offer and give you those professional development hours that you need to gather as you go for your renewal. So why not be a part of the organization that can help you do that? Dr. Rosado, what advice would you give a brand new um, bilingual teacher? Attend Bean because Bean has a lot of people that receive a lot of training. In higher ed, we don't receive much training. Therefore, I learn by attending the meetings with, with Bean and 
participating in the professional development. Now, most uh, program directors, new program directors of Palingolet, I advise them go make contacts because that will facilitate uh, your job once you establish that connection with people who are doing basically the thing that you are doing. The key element is professional development free of charge. Thank you, Dr. Rosado. That's that's exactly what we try to do. We, our, mis our, our mission um, at BEAM is to educate, collaborate, and advocate. And to be able to do that, we... We do that through our meetings. We do that through our social media by sharing information of what's the newest things that um, we need to know about. As teachers, those of us who are in the education field, we are busy. So to be able to have a network where you're being shared the information you need to know is so beneficial. So you guys, thank you so much for being a part. I really wanted, I really wanted you to help spread the word about BEAM, what's going on. There are so many people who don't know about us, do not know that we are a gem and we no longer need to be kept secret. So we are the Bilingual ESL Education Association of the Metroplex. If you are a bilingual or ESL teacher, this is the group for you. If you um, believe that every person in, in public education should have an opportunity to be able to learn a second language, a third language, a fourth, as many as they to their heart's delight, this is your group. If you are an individual who helps with pre-service educators, because guess what? Every teacher, no matter their certification, will teach an emergent bilingual, and they should know how to be equipped with the best things to be able to do that, and they will find that here being a part of the BEAM organization. So Dr. Rosalo, Dr. Patsy Robles-Goodwin, Dr. Patsy Sosa-Sanchez, thank you so much for being a part of our, one of our very first podcasts. And I'm so excited that you could be here. Thank you guys um, uh, for everything um, through you. Um, I know I couldn't have been the person that I've become um, growing up in BEAM, how I say it. And so it's been a wonderful opportunity to get to know you. Um, I will tell you all, one of my most beautiful experiences with the Bilingual um, Education Association has been when I went to Dr. Rosado one symposium. And I said, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. And he goes, ja, callate. You don't need to tell me. We're colleagues. And I was like, oh, mira, I, glue, I, 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 I can glow up. So. <laughs> So thank you so much again for being here. I appreciate you guys. And I can't wait to see you at BEAM April 2nd, 2022 in Denton, Texas at the beautiful John H. Geyer High School. It's going to be an amazing event. And I can't wait um, to show you guys. We will have another hybrid um, opportunity because we do have friends who are going to join us virtually because they're not able to make it in person. And so if you have not registered to attend, remember, we have limited in-person tickets. And if you have not RSVP for your in-person ticket, you may miss out. And so we will be able to um, give you, uh, let you register for a hybrid experience, which I will let you attend virtually. And we'd love to have you there virtually. Remember your registration in, in, ensures your membership for BEAM for the 2022-2023 um, school year, as well as your um, membership for the Texas Association for Bilingual Education. So if you are not a part of BEAM yet, Join us. We're at www.beamdfw.org. This is Dr. Liz Garza-Garcia, current president of BEAM, and so proud to be able to do this. Thank you so much, you guys.